of course, welcome to this episode of Griff Talks Football. Of course, your host, Griff. So again, just in case you were curious, I released uh, episode 7 uh, prior to today's episode of my Serious One Take. And uh, episode 7 is talking about the Tennessee Titans resurgence. And if you want to hear more details about that and why they're 8-6 and six at this point, um, I mean, the obvious is because of the play of Ryan Tannehill. But again, I, I dive more into why they're eight and six. It's not just the play of Ryan Tannehill. It's it's been consistency um, from their offense, which their offense's identity uh, identity again. It's it's power football with some zone schemes, of course, but definitely power football. Uh, definitely again, pounding the rock with Derrick Henry. Uh, but also the teams that they faced, you know, most of their wins have been against teams that don't have uh, tremendous run defenses. They're, they're mostly atrocious and so forth. So again, you can listen to all that detail in that episode of my one take. But today is, again, reviewing Week 15, uh, previewing the games coming up. And of course, this is Week 16, so second to last week of the NFL season. And then also uh, previewing a little bit of my next uh, one-take episode, which will uh, drop uh, this Saturday morning. Um, It would be Friday, um, busy Friday, but definitely uh, Saturday morning. Uh, I got some things to kind of clean up, make sure I got everything prepared for that episode. But nevertheless, let's, let's start this off. Speaking of, you know, uh, games reviewing start with the Jets versus Ravens. It's another dominant win by the Ravens. Uh, they won by I want to say by three possessions. I want to say it was like forty-two to twenty-one, um, which should be the case. Yeah, forty-two to twenty-one. So at first in the first half, it was it was competitive, but I. It was like 21-7, and the Jets were converting on third downs with no problem, really. I mean, they were like 6 out of 9 at one point for third down conversions, and then throughout the game, that evidently changed. The Ravens adjusted. The Jets didn't, and the Ravens' offense continued to click, as always. It was just a dominant win. Ravens officially not only have claim their division, but they're now a game closer. If they win one more game, they'll be uh, they'll claim the number one overall seed in playoff positioning in the AFC. Bears versus Packers uh, come back too little too late. So this game ended up ending 21 to 13 with the Packers winning. But there were so many chances that the Bears had offensively to score points. And, there, and the Packers had so many uh, chances to continue to run out the clock. And, and again, that was never the case. Um, there were so many three and outs that the Bears defense forced, which, again, give credit to the Bears defense. It was part of the reason why the Bears, as a, as a team, were still even in that chance or still even had the opportunity to win that game. Like it came down to like a one play at Hell Mary, and in the very last play it was like some trickery, 
trying to, you know, basically play rugby and just try to pitch it to your players and get it to the end zone. And uh, one of the players, he's a tight end, had he pitched it to Allen Robinson, who was at the six-yard line on the sideline, had he pitched it to Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson would have walked in the end zone. And all the Bears had to do was convert a two-point conversion. And it potentially could have been sent to overtime. The Bears could have potentially, you know, win that game. Or the Packers could have potentially win that game in overtime. It's 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 all theoreticals from there. But nevertheless, the Packers won. But it's so much inconsistency on offense. You know, one game plan the Bears had established against the Cowboys the week prior was a bunch of read options and then rollouts with play action. And Trubisky had an amazing game against the Dallas defense. Now, granted, the Packers defense, they're a little bit better than Dallas, but they struggle mightily against the run. But for whatever reason, that game plan, it wasn't establishing the run by the Bears. It was a bunch of pass attempts. And the Packers secondary is not terrible whatsoever, and they often do not give up big plays as of late, and they force a bunch of turnovers, and they, they're they great when it comes to pass rush. So as an offense, or at least as a game plan, why would you want to go pass heavy against a secondary that's been playing great as of late and when their run defense is terrible? Like if your offensive line is not great at run blocking, that I can understand. But it, even then, you should give your offense a chance to put in run plays that would help your offensive line beat a particular defensive front that the Packers are in. And the Bears were not run heavy. They were not. They didn't do much read options. It was a bunch of pass routes. And again, Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky has been inconsistent all season. And the Packers... They have not been great in the second half as of late these past couple games. Uh, they haven't scored, you know, 20 plus points these past couple games either. But they're great in the first half. They're they're great teams, you know, script, or at least they're great when it comes to scripting plays, like opening possessions. Um and they end up, you know, scoring touchdowns in those opening possessions. But again, they've been inconsistent in the second half. But nevertheless, their defense isn't enough to stop the Bears' offense and end up getting the W. Uh, and now the Packers, if they beat the Vikings this weekend, will claim the NFC North and will get closer and closer to getting that number one seed. But it doesn't feel like they're a dominant team by any means. You know, compared to Saints and the 49ers. They're not, as a team, not as dominant as them, but they got a better record. And with Seattle, they got the same record as the Packers, but that's they've been very Russell Wilson dependent. And with the Packers in this situation, they've been very Aaron Aaron's dependent, if you will. You know, they've been dependent on Aaron Rodgers to bail them out in some situations. But as of late, they've been very dependent on the performance of Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones only had 40 yards rushing in this game. And Aaron Rodgers had barely passed over 200 yards in this game too. And so if those guys are not performing well, which again, it's very difficult to perform against the Bears' defense. But if they're not performing well, then that team is going to struggle. 
So, again, congrats to the Packers on winning, but that was a little – like their comeback was that, – that, that desperate play shouldn't have happened to begin with. Uh, but nevertheless, congrats to the Packers winning. And Bears, again, are officially out of the playoffs. Seahawks – I mean, I'm sorry, Patriots versus Bengals. Uh, Pats dominated 34-13. to 13. That's all you need to know. Like, of course, there's been this article or at least news that have said that the Patriots cheated in this game. They were caught filming the Bengals' sideline. There's some articles saying that isn't the case. I'm not sure what is true. But I also find it hilarious that you need to cheat against a 1-13 in team. So, you know, I just I found that hilarious. But nonetheless, they dominated 34-13. Seahawks versus Panthers. I am not convinced that the Seahawks would be number one. And here's why. The game ended up being 30 to 24 against a team in which, yeah, 30 to 24 against Seattle won this, but it was against a team that had fired their head coach a couple weeks earlier. They've been inconsistent on offense throughout the, these past couple games. Kyle Allen has not played well. I mean, Seattle forced three interceptions during this game. And then yet, late in the fourth quarter, the Panthers are coming back and had an opportunity. Had they made one more defensive stop, even with you know no timeouts, the Panthers still had an opportunity to go down there and score. And I guarantee you, even though Kyle Allen was consistent all inconsistent all three quarters, he played well in the fourth. And I think the Panthers could have pulled an upset here. But again, this team, Seattle Seahawks, as I just mentioned, is so Russell Wilson dependent. I mean, yes, they got great running backs. Don't get me wrong. But none of them made the Pro Bowl this past this season. And again, that running offense is also dependent on what Russell Wilson does. They do a bunch of read options. So again, very Russell Wilson dependent. And they're going to go ahead and play the Cardinals. I mean, yes, they're at home. But again, Kyler Murray can do well against the Seattle Seahawks defense because they're in the bottom of the league statistically in nearly every category, such as points per game, yards allowed, rushing yards allowed, passing yards allowed. And if the Cardinals defense handles Russell Wilson, or at least doesn't allow Russell Wilson, which is very difficult to not allow him to do well statistically, such as throwing over 300 yards and rushing 50 yards, whatever it may be, to not let him have such a good game, the Cardinals will win. And that's because if you stop Russell Wilson, which has been shown in their three losses, they will struggle. And... I am not convinced that they'll be the number one seed just because I do think the Saints and the Packers will win out. And that final game between Seattle and the 49ers will determine who will win the NFC West, which even though Seattle will host that game and play at home, I do think the 49ers will make that upset. So even though Seattle has claimed the playoff spot, Again, it's been so Russell Wilson dependent. And so because of this game, even though any, 
every, any, every game that's different on a Sunday, there's been so many games with Seattle that's been so inconsistent, and yet they've won because of Russell Wilson, because of what he's done for that team. It's Again, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, it's too Russell Wilson dependent. Texans versus Titans. Playing from behind is not the Titans' strength. Um, I talked about this, about their identity uh, in my episode 7 of One Take. And just to review here, you know, Texans were up 14-0 at the half. You know, Tennessee was driving down the field and about to score, and all of a sudden the receiver got hit from behind, and the ball ended up going in the air, intercepted by Whitney Merciless, took it back 86 yards. Two plays later, uh, Kenny Seals caught a touchdown pass from Sean Watson, and then Houston proceeded to score again uh, through another touchdown pass to Kenny Stills, uh, thrown from Deshaun Watson, of course. And then Tennessee scored in the third quarter, and they scored early in the fourth quarter, 14-14. But then Houston pounded the rock late in the fourth quarter, got the lead back, 21-14. And then Houston got the ball back, scored a field goal. And it was like three minutes left in the game. Now, Tennessee, by throwing the ball a lot in this situation, were able to get huge chunks on the play and then got a touchdown. But evidently, they couldn't recover the outside kick. Even though they did get the ball back with 10 seconds left, they got sacked, time ran out. That's basically the summary of this game. Is if Tennessee can stop the opponent's offense, and then just pound the ball, go, and then throw or call play actions and throw deep and connect on those passes and then score, they're fine. That's how they've won games. But if they're playing from behind, they struggle because if you're going to play from behind and it's late in the fourth quarter and you're forced to pass heavy, you know, there's chances that there's going to be interceptions. That's that's not your identity. Passing the ball as a team, uh, whether it's quick or intermediate deep routes, you know, five-step drops, what have you, that's not Tennessee's identity. Again, Tennessee's identity is pounding the rock through power and then some zone runs. And, of course, with play action. And as you can see, even though, yes, Tennessee scored late in the fourth quarter, missed the onside kick, had an opportunity to throw a 90-yard pass, basically. Uh, but no, as you can see, if Tennessee plays from behind, they struggle. Yes, again, they nodded the game up 14-14, but it took them forever. They eventually found the running game going. But then if Tennessee's defense doesn't make any stops, which again, late in the fourth quarter, they struggled stopping the run, and they struggle in these intermediate passes that Houston is so great at, and that's part of their offensive identity. Evidently, Houston then scored. And then Tennessee didn't score. Houston made a field goal, and then they had to go pass heavy from then on. So, again, this is going to be another test for Tennessee. They're going to play against the Saints this weekend, and the test is going to be if they can play from behind. And evidently, they did not play from behind. Or, you know, they made the game competitive late, but they do not play well from behind. Very run-heavy dependent. 
So that's why I'm not convinced Tennessee will make the playoffs. They have a chance, though, but it's they have basically have to play well to their strengths because if you can't play well to your strengths or if you don't adjust well to your weaknesses, then you're done. You you struggle winning games. So Dolphins versus Giants. Um, it looks like Eli Manning will win his final home game. I mean, they beat the Dolphins at home, but it looks like it will be Eli Manning's final home game as a Giant. I'm not sure if he's going to retire this uh, the following season. I'm not sure if he's going to sign up with another team. All I know is that the Giants are going to stick to Daniel Jones for the following year. Eagles versus Redskins. Uh, the Eagles won a tight game. Uh, it was back and forth. Like, that Eagles defense is atrocious. It's Dwayne Haskins at one point was like 6 for 6 for 156 yards and two touchdown passes. Like, what the fuck? And then Adrian Peterson had a nice game. He had a couple touchdowns. But, yeah, that, that – e- no, he had a rushing touchdown. But he had he had almost 100 yards and not 100 yards rushing. But that Eagles defense is terrible. It's again Carson Wentz dependent, and in the final drive, offensively for the Eagles, they took the lead. Thirty seconds left in the game. It was uh, thirty, yeah, thirty-one twenty-seven, and then Eagles defense forced a fumble, returned that for a touchdown, effectively end that game. But I'm telling you, if Carson Wentz does not have a great game. The Eagles lose. It's it's not a great roster. They have an opportunity to beat Dallas this weekend, but that's again like Seattle. Even though the records are different, it just so happens that at least Seattle has some pieces to rely upon to be able to be eleven and three at this point. And of course, different schedules. But much like the Seahawks, the Eagles are very Carson Wentz dependent. Broncos versus Chiefs. Chiefs defense only allowed three points. Patrick Holmes threw over 300 yards, two touchdowns. Travis Kelsey had 11 receptions for 142 yards receiving. They scored 23 points. In a heavy snow game, nevertheless, which is impressive. Uh, but, you know, what's most impressive is the Chiefs defense. I know that the Broncos offense overall has been horrible, but the past two games they scored a bunch of points under Drew Locke. But in this game, Broncos only managed to score three points, and they didn't run the ball well against the Chiefs' defense, which throughout the season has been horrendous against the run. Buccaneers versus Lions. Jameis Winston throw, throws uh, four touchdowns in INT, so he only turned over the ball once. I don't think he fumbled, so he only turned over the ball once. He threw over 450 yards. He threw four touchdowns. He's basically fighting for his life to maintain a, a contract or get a contract extension or a new contract uh, to stay with the Buccaneers. But he leads the league at turnovers, especially with 24 interceptions, and he's second in touchdown passes with 30. And he's second in passing yards. Um, it's just inconsistent all around. I do feel like if you take away half of those turnovers, the Buccaneers could be prime position to, you know, claim a playoff spot, but they're seven and seven, and they're eliminated from the playoffs. 
So, it, at this point, depending on uh, how Winston performs, they could keep him next year. They could just draft another QB. Who knows? Browns versus Cardinals. Couldn't stop the run. Kenny and Drake had over 100 yards rushing in an offensive system that does not favor running the ball. It's pass heavy. And the Browns defense, despite being in the middle of the pack and defending the run, had an opportunity to not allow many run gains. And yet they did. It was terrible. And not only that, Nick Chubb had over 100 yards rushing on just 17 carries. On 17 carries, he had 132 yards rushing and two rushing touchdowns. And yet, your idea as a coach was, let's just have Baker Mayfield throw 43 times because that works. No, they end up losing 35 to 24. I just, oh, no, I'm sorry, 38-24. But still, it's just, oh. I mean, I mean, the Browns had an opportunity to win this game, to at least have a better opportunity to, you know, succeed, or at least have a better opportunity to make the playoffs. I'm sorry, my mic's messed up. Hold on. Yeah, again, the Browns had an opportunity to win this game. The offensive line for the Cardinals are, is terrible. They have athletic linebackers to spy Kyler Murray. All they had to do was stick to their depths and defend the run, and yet they got demolished. And then with the Browns' offense, again, inconsistent play calling, there was barely any play-action passes going on. And yet when they were called, some of them, there was no – they basically messed up on their pass protection. So the play action passes when called, which is like three or four play action passes were ineffective. And yet throughout the game, Nick Chubb was your best player. And so why not just pound the rock with Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt to a point where you can just call a bootleg, throw a flat route or something or a crossing route, and then just pound the rock from there. And that wasn't the case with the Browns. It's just, and consistent all around. They still have a chance to make a playoffs, but just terrible performance. Just terrible. Jaguars versus Raiders. Oakland loses their last home game. They gave up a 13-point lead. Jaguars win 20-16. to Just terrible. Vikings versus Chargers. The Vikings defense forces seven turnovers in a whopping 39-10 to win. Rams versus Cowboys. Elliott and Pollard both ran over 100 yards rushing. <clears throat> and they won 44-21. <clears throat> to And a lot of people are saying, oh my gosh, Cowboys are back. They'll make the playoffs. They'll go to the Super Bowl. Like, what? No. There are other teams better than the Cowboys. Saints. Niners. Evidently, Seattle. Even though Cowboys have more talent than Seattle, it's the consistent play, and Seattle has a better record. Oh, fucking Packers. Yes, I know they don't have the best run defense, but shit, they got weapons. 
They've been consistent for majority of the year. Their identity is pounding the ball. They know what they are. And they don't, they certainly, if they play from behind, can play from behind and can adjust. They don't get a bunch of their stats in garbage time, which has been notorious for the Cowboys, where they play, where they face a team that's 500 or over, they lose. This is, I think, the first or second win against a team over 500. And now, granted, they had a good game plan. They beat the Rams convincingly. Uh, but they got to do it again against the Eagles. And I know the Eagles defense has been terrible, but it's got to be consistent play calling. It's got to be consistent adjustments. And if that's your identity from this point forth is pounding a rock, then go for that. But the Cowboys, either the Eagles or Cowboys are going to host a team that's either going to be the Niners or the Seahawks or the Vikings or the Packers. I guarantee you the Cowboys or Eagles are not going to win that game despite playing at home. Because the Niners defense, way too good. The Niners offense is way too good. The Saints, they're going to play at home. So, But I'm talking about in terms of the way teams, teams that could be way. The Vikings, they got a better roster. Their ground game and defense are phenomenal. The Packers, if they play away, they've already played at Dallas, so they can beat Dallas again. And they're going to play at the Eagles stadium. They got an offense that can just torch the Eagles' defense. Oh, and then Seattle, Russell Wilson. Like, there's no way the Dallas Cowboys defense is going to handle Russell Wilson. There's no way. But as... I mean, if that's your bread and butter from this point on, hope it works for the Cowboys, but it just – it may be a little, too little too late. But nevertheless, Elliott and Pollard both had 100 yards rushing against the Rams, and then for the Rams, they have a slim chance of making the playoffs. They need basically the, – the only way is the Vikings to lose out, which if they do, they'll be 10-6, and six, and the Rams to, to win out, and they'll be 10-6. and six. And that tiebreaker goes to the Rams. That's their only hope is the Vikings lose out. Um, Falcons versus 49ers, a game in inches, really. This is a surprising competitive game in which the Niners lost to the Falcons. Uh, 25, no, I'm sorry, 29-23. because uh, at the last play of the game, uh, 49ers tried to do some trickery and trick uh, some trick play on special teams, fumbled the ball. Falcons recovered for a touchdown. But nevertheless, on that final offensive drive for the Falcons, uh, with like four seconds left on the clock, Matt Ryan threw it to Julio Jones. The ball barely crossed the plane as soon as Julio caught it. Ended up being a touchdown. This was, again, a competitive game. It wasn't so much like an offensive shootout up until late in the second half. Um, I mean, the Falcons' defense were at least able to hold their own against 
on the 49ers offense. Uh, they had troubles. Now they had trouble defending the run, but when it came to the pass, they didn't allow they didn't allow a bunch of huge pass plays. Um, for the 49ers defense, they struggled defending the pass late in the game with the Falcons. So the Falcons were playing from behind, and this is the first time in a while where the Falcons they played from behind and they got the the win. So congrats to the Falcons. Bills versus Steelers. Steelers' offense, again, was a downfall. Bills won 17-10, which was a, a tight game, all thanks to both defenses. Both defenses gave their offenses plenty of chances to, to make plays and score touchdowns. It just so happens that the Bills' offense is, again, much, is, is much significantly better than the Steelers' offense. And they, were able, they were able to make a couple plays to get scores and to extend the lead and at that point on uh the Steelers offense they can't play from behind uh Staines versus Colts uh Breeze breaks a touchdown pass record and only throws one incompletion and I'll explain that more uh after this break And we're back, as I was saying. Uh, Breeze broke Peyton Manning's career touchdown passes. At that point, Peyton Manning had thrown 539. Uh, and Breeze broke that by throwing four touchdowns. Uh, when he threw the third touchdown pass, that was 540. And when he threw his fourth touchdown pass, it ended up being 541. So that record is still ongoing. I don't think Breeze is going to retire anytime soon. Um, but then again, Breeze is trying to win his second Super Bowl, and he's been chasing that thing since 2009. But nevertheless, congratulations to Breeze on breaking it. He also did it by only throwing one incompletion. He threw, he went 29 out of 30. 29 out of 30. And he was that close to being 30 for 30. Over 300 yards with four touchdowns. He had, it was near perfect. It was a near perfect night against the Colts defense. Michael Thomas, he's again a huge part of that offense. So it was Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray in terms of running the ball, but also again, Taysom Hill, uh, some of the receivers on the Saints, including Jared Cook. I mean, they're all involved, but Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, Taysom Hill. Tavis Murray, uh, Alvin Kamara, they, they're heavily involved in that offense. Uh, so it really helps when we have those guys that you could potentially go 30 for 30 on a night. But again, he went 29 out of 30, over 300 yards, four touchdowns. All, all, all greatness, basically, from Drew Brees. Saints underwing 34 to 7. Just a competitive. I wouldn't say competitive, but more so of just a great night again, uh, both by the Saints offense and the Saints defense. They're getting closer and closer to winning out, going 13-3. and If all chips fall, they could potentially be the number one seed or the number two. Just strength of schedule or strength of victory has belonged to that Packers. They have not played against each other, um, hence why 
even though they haven't played against each other, the tiebreaker is going to the Packers because of strength of victory and in, in, in schedule. Um, but it just, just again, fantastic performance by the Saints. And now we're going to move on to previewing these games coming up, starting with the Texans versus the Buccaneers. It's going to be Texans secondary against the Buccaneers receivers. If the Texans win, even though the Titans win their game, if the Texans win regardless, they claim the AFC South division and will be officially in the playoffs. Um, however, you know, Watson is great. The Texans running game is great. Their receivers are phenomenal. I think Darren Fells is one of the most underrated tight ends in the league, even though he doesn't get the ball that often. Every time he does, he makes the most of it. The offensive line has been getting more consistent in terms of the pass protection. Um, and then the, the Texans front seven, their pass rush has been coming, ha, has been getting better as of late. The run defense, again, is fantastic. It's that secondary that needs to stay and play consistent. And even though Winston has been notorious for turnovers, which I guarantee you is going to turn the ball one way or another in this game, He's thrown a bunch of pass, uh, a bunch of passing yards, and he's thrown a bunch of touchdown passes, and it's going to be consistent play from the Texans secondary. If they don't allow big plays, which is difficult against the Buccaneers' offense, despite the amount of turnovers they commit, if they don't allow big plays, the Texans will have an opportunity to win this game because the Buccaneers, the only thing they're great at defensively is their pass rush, and that's because of Sha- Shaquille Barrett. But the Texans handle him and play well their strengths against the Buccaneers' weaknesses, which has, again, been their secondary. Uh, the Texans, again, will win this game. Bills versus Patriots. Which quarterback outdoes the other? Outdoes the other? We both know that their defenses, both the Patriots and Bills, are fantastic. We both know that the Patriots' offense has been consistent, but we do know that Tom Brady is number five right now in passing yards this season, and he doesn't turn over the ball that much, and he's done the best he can what he's got, and all he's got right now is Julian Elliman and James White, but Nikhil Harry has been playing consistent as of late, so he may become an emerging weapon down the stretch, and if he becomes that, if he becomes that emerging weapon, it's definitely going to be helpful for Brady in that entire Patriots offensive unit. And we know that the Bills, they're great at running the ball, and they have consistent targets in John Brown and Cole Beasley. And they have a fantastic athletic quarterback who can throw the ball deep with no problem. He's got one of the best arms, if not the strongest arms, in terms of arm strength, strongest arm in the game in, in, in Josh Allen. And so it just depends on which can be can only make the most of what they got, but make the most of what they got against a phenomenal defense that they're going to play against. And if Brady does well, the Patriots win. And if Allen does well, the Bills will win. And so both teams have claimed playoff spots. It's now a matter of which team will now have the upper edge and be able to claim that AFC East division. I'm not saying that if one team wins, the division is over, they won. I'm just saying if one team wins, they have another opportunity to win their game week 17 to win that division. 
So, but that's the key here is which QB outduels the other. Rams versus 49ers. I previewed this game earlier this year in which the 49ers dominated the Rams, I believe 20 to 9. Uh, but it's going to be similar to this game where it's going to be golf versus the 49ers defense. And if golf can handle the 49ers defense's pass rush and their secondary and their coverages, if you can identify and again handle well against that 49ers pass rush, the Rams will have an opportunity to win this game. But if the pressure gets to golf and the receivers can't get separation, which is another key factor here, you know, the 49ers will win. I their defense just got whipped. I imagine they're gonna play the best that they can, but that 49ers offense is much better than Dallas. They run the ball extremely well. And in that and once that's established, they're one of the best play action units in the game. Uh but that key here is how is Jared Golf gonna handle the 49ers defense? Steelers versus Jets. Sam Darnold against the Steelers defense. We know that offense is trash. We know the Jets defense is somewhat average. The key here is can the Steelers defense handle Sam Darnold, which I don't think it's too much of a big tax, but Sam Darnold is making the most of what he's got. Um, the weapons, again, have been inconsistent. They're talented, but inconsistent. And an offensive line is one of the worst, if not the worst in the league when it comes to not only run blocking, but also pass protection. But if Sam Donald excels with what he has and scores 20-plus points on that Steelers defense, the Steelers are done for because their offense hasn't scored 20-plus points in a while. They haven't done jack shit. Um, it's basically been run-dependent with James Washington catching passes here and there. That's basically what's been the case. And Doug Hodges not turning over the ball. Evidently, he threw four interceptions against the Bills' defense. It's very difficult to not even turn the ball over to the Bills' defense. But when you have an inept offense like that, how how terrible it is, um, you're going to ask a lot from your defense to basically carry you. But I'm saying that the Jets scored 20-plus points. The Jets will win this game. Saints versus Titans. Uh, can the Titans play from behind? I guarantee you they're going to be from behind. That Saints run defense is far better than the Texans run defense. Their secondary is far better than the Texans secondary. And overall, again, that defense is far better than the Texans defense. And that Saints offense is about as good as the Texans offense. It's just their offensive identity is far different. Again, as I've pointed this out throughout the year, the Texans offensive identity is throwing the ball intermediate to deep routes. The Saints' identity is pound the rock with play actions, throwing a bunch of intermediate routes. They don't often throw deep, but they can throw deep if they connect on deep passes or when throwing deep. Uh, it's just they don't attempt deep throws that often. That's not their bread and butter. I'm not saying Drew Brees can't throw far. He can. It's just not their bread and butter. That's not what has put them up to success this year to be 11-3 at this point. And I'm. If the Titans are going to be forced to play from behind, I don't see him taking a lead. Um, I mean, I do see him taking a lead early in this game, but I don't see him maintaining it. 
And if they don't maintain it, they're going to play from behind. Or if they start off the game playing from behind, it's going to be how they can handle it because they lost to Houston playing from behind. Even though the scoreboard is 24-21 late in the game, they're forced to play from behind. They did not do well up until near the two-minute warning where they scored a touchdown. So, again, that's the key here is can the Titans play from behind? Panthers versus Colts. It's going to be Will Greer's first start against the Colts. That's basically it here. Uh, if the Colts lose, they're eliminated from the playoffs, but just depending on Will Greer's performance and also how the offense for the Colts is going to perform against the Carolinas' defense. Um, Bengals versus Dolphins, tank bowl. That's it. There's nothing that you want to consider here. Ravens versus Browns, Baker Mayfield's play and Kitchen's play calling. They should run the ball with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But I guarantee you that's not going to be the case. Of course, they'll call run plays, but they're not going to give it to Nick Chubb 25 times, and they're not going to give it to Kareem Hunt, run the ball 10-plus times. They're going to go throw the ball because it's what they've been trying to do. It's just that's not been their bread and butter, or that's not what they've been success at. But I guarantee you Freddie Kitchens is going to try to throw the fucking ball. And... um and it's going to be based on how Baker Mayfield plays. If he plays well through Freddie Kitchens' terrible play calling, then hooray. If he doesn't, they fucking will lose, and they'll be out of the playoffs. And the Ravens' last loss has been to the Browns, and that was because they ran the ball a lot against the Ravens' defense, and they won 40-25 to and forced the Ravens to play from behind. Now the Browns stick to their gaps defensively and at least force third and longs to be able to then call blitzes and then get the ball back uh, and then pound the rock, they'll be fine. This team is much more talented than the fucking Ravens. Its consistency has been the issue. And play calling has been the issue. And coaching has been the issue. Offensively, defensively, there's been some issues here and there, but not as far greater as the Browns' offense. So that's the key here is Freddie Kitchens' play calling and Baker Mayfield's play. <clears throat> Jags versus Falcons. If Falcons win, will Dan Quinn keep his job? That's basically it. Because if they win and then win in Week 17, they'll be 7-9, and nine, much like last year. And these players throughout interviews Really love Dan Quinn. Really love the coaching staff there. And it's, again, the decision comes down from, uh, I can't remember the owner's name. All I know is that his first name is Arthur. And if the owner of the Falcons decides to keep Dan Quinn, then it comes to mind, what are they going to do to put themselves in position to be successful for the following season? Um, so that's the question here. Giants versus Redskins, tank ball. Lions versus Broncos, tank ball. Bull, yeah, tank ball. Raiders versus Chargers, will it be Phillip Rivers' last home game? He has not played well as of late. He's attributed to the... Uh, the Chargers' losses because of the turnovers. 
But if they lose here, or even win here, would it be Phillips' last home game? Will they re-sign him? So that's it. All the questions there. But again, even if it's Phil's last home game, you know, will the Chargers resign him or draft a different QB? But nevertheless, again, the question is, will it be Phil Rivers' last home game as a Los Angeles Charger? Cards versus Seahawks. Kyler Murray versus Seattle's defense. The Seattle's defense is not great. Kyler Murray is very athletic. He's got targets to throw to. It's just consistency for Murray is the number one thing, not turning over the ball, making good decisions. But that's the key here is how does Seattle's defense handle against Kyler Murray. Cowboys versus Eagles. It's going to be Carson Wentz against the entire Dallas Cowboys team. Yes, it would be just Carson Wentz against the Cowboys defense, but the Cowboys offense, no matter what they call, I guarantee you, will probably work against the um, Eagles defense. It's just consistency there, but they have the talent to do so, and they'll score a bunch of points against an atrocious Eagles defense. So basically, it's going to be Carson Wentz carrying the team on his back uh, trying to win this game. Bears versus Chiefs, Trubisky's performance. I mean, the Bears are eliminated from playoff contention. The Chiefs, they can just lose the rest of their games and not have to worry about uh, missing the playoffs because they already claimed the division. But, uh, you know, the question, uh, you know, does come to mind uh, whether or not, whether or not, Trubisky does well. If he does well at this point, it's basically him trying to keep his job. And the same thing for the coaching staff, but basically how does Mr. Trubisky perform? And last but not least, Packers versus Vikings, division lead on the line. Which Aaron will be called upon? Will it be Rodgers or will it be Jones? If it's going to be very Aaron Jones dependent and if he has a great game, I do think the Packers will win. Much like the last meeting between the Vikings and the Packers, where Aaron Jones had a phenomenal game. Um, even though it was only 21 to 13, he had over 100 yards rushing. I think a rushing touchdown as well. He also had a couple of receptions in that game. So, but if Aaron Rodgers is called upon and relied upon, it probably means that the running game isn't going well. And if that's the case, that Vikings defense has an opportunity to just send blitzes or just rely on their pass rush, which is going to be very difficult for the Packers' offensive line to handle, which is going to be asking a lot from Aaron Rodgers to carry that team at that point. Because if you're not running the ball well and if you happen to get a lot of three and outs offensively, um, that Vikings offense is going to score points because that Packers defense is not good uh, in terms of defending the run. They rely a lot of their sacks and a lot of forcing turnovers. They allow some big plays in the secondary, um, but it just depends on how the Packers perform offensively because if they perform well with Aaron Jones, they'll most likely win this game or at least most likely have an opportunity to win the game. And that's it for today's episode. Uh, my next episode of One Take will be released Saturday morning. It's going to be about Freddie Kitchens, Baker Mayfield, and the Browns run office. 
So that's a whole lot of situations I'm talking about here, but I feel it's important to talk about. But nevertheless, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Um, again, I'll release my daily episode next Wednesday as well uh, as we closer and closer to the playoffs, baby. Nevertheless, have a kick-ass day, y'all.